and welcome. It's the Fan Checkdown on the Sportsnet Radio Network and wherever you get your podcast. Matt Marchese, Donovan Bennett with you here for the next hour. Unless Shohei Otani decides where he's going to go. Speak it into existence. You know what? It's funny because our so Adam Rank is he's already on the line. He's so committed. He's on early. And if there's ever anybody that knows what it's like to have Shohei Otani on their favorite team, it's Adam Rank because unfortunately for him, he's an LA Angels fan. Hey Rank, uh, first of all, uh, hello. Secondly, hello. Um, how do you feel about this whole Shohei? I know it's a football show, but I know that you are no, listen, a Shohei this'll, fan. This'll, this'll be my most nuanced take that I give of the. <laughs> I was on. I not to you know not to say that I you know. I show up on other shows, but I was just on with San Diego uh, a couple of minutes ago. And like, I'm playing, I'm doing my usual thing. Uh, but when they ask me about Shohei Otani, I get deadly serious <laughs> and I get into this thing. And here's what I will say is that it is, uh, it's excruciating right now. Uh, knowing that every, I have a, one of my best friends is a huge angels fan as well. So anytime he texts me, if it's not a, uh, wordle, like, you know, the wordle results, it's like, Oh no, what, <laughs> What happened? What I miss? Uh, we're just waiting, you know? And so I think that I will say this in all sincere honesty. If he does not play for the Angels this year, Toronto would be fine. I would be like, okay, because you already have Vlade, so you might as well have Otani as well. And then I'll just, you know, start singing. I already sing Oh Canada. It is uh, one of my favorite songs. I think it's a great, like, it's a real nice song. It's like, hey, our country's great. Not like, hey, let's go win this fight. Like the American one. Like, it's just, oh, Canada, it's a nice, it's a nice pleasurable tune. But here's my thing with Shohei is that a lot of what he really cherishes is his privacy, his his ability to uh, keep to himself. And he put it out there that he didn't want any leaks. And it was a, it's a big thing to him. And obviously Dave Roberts couldn't wait to tell everybody uh, what had happened. So like, thanks Dave. Like I, it'd be amazing if the Dodgers blew this twice. Uh, Toronto, obviously their meeting in the, in the, the spring training facility in Florida got out there. So in all honesty, the teams that I'm like most concerned about, like Seattle's been so under the radar and just cleared up a bunch of salary uh, trading Stefanik or whomever. And, and really doing a nice job of clearing the way for him. San Francisco hasn't said a word. San Diego has somehow managed to keep their name out of it, you know, but those are the teams that kind of concern me. But I think ultimately what we could see out of Shohei Otani is him doing a deal similar to what, um, who is Carlos Correa, what he did with the, with the, with the twins where it's voidable. He can get out of the contract really easy. Because he's in a situation right now where he will still want to pitch when he recovers from Tommy John surgery. And all these teams will tell him right now what he wants to hear. And of course, oh yeah, you'll be able to do whatever you want. The Angels are the only team, the only organization that is proven they will accommodate everything that he wants. And I think that that really matters. And my sincerest hope, and this is hope, this is not any sort of factual reporting. My hope is that he is looking at these other teams and then ultimately will be like, you know what? I I'm going to have, I'm going to stay loyal to the angels and I'm going to go back with this organization. But again, that's more hope than me really able to uh, stay with any real like reporting skills. 
I think people are underplaying the Angels in this only because the grass isn't always greener. And he knows someone who loves routine and loves anonymity. He knows what he's going to get in the Angels. He's going to get probably some losses as well. But as an Angels fan, right, all 55 of you, what? Hot, stop it. What? <laughs> what? What is this like? Like, is this the equivalent to you're in a relationship, but you're a year younger, and in your senior year, someone goes off to college, and you're just hoping that they don't see someone else and come back with the Thanksgiving weekend breakup? Like, what? What is the feeling right now where he's yours, but you know he might not be? No, I understand all that. First of all, I will say this: in the 2000s, out here in Southern California. You, the Angels were far more popular than the Dodgers. We are always on television. The Dodgers didn't get their TV deal to a couple of years ago. So we have we have a strong fan base of, uh, I, I don't want to get too much into the geography of Southern California. We do pretty well. And it's, it's, it's insulting. I'm sitting here <laughs> talking in glowing terms about Toronto. I'll start blowing it up. I'll start talking <laughs> Kawhi Leonard and how quickly he couldn't get out of there, but I won't do it because I feel like we have a friendly relationship. Uh, there is something to be said about that. It's like, hey, like, why is this? Why is everybody, you know, you're you're at the uh, hometown buffet with your lady, and then all of a sudden all these guys come walking up. Why are you sitting at our table? What are you doing? Like, he's here. He's happy. Uh, so there is a lot of that. There is, I mean, we've had to live through this. You got to remember, you know, before Mike Trout signed his extension, it was all the Yankees and Philadelphia fans saying like, he's coming here. He's going to do this. He's going to do that. And it's like, yeah, okay. Like, well, you know, we lived through that. And of course, Trout signs his extension. Similarly, you know, we're, we're, it, it, it's an unusual position because if you think of some players like Albert Pujols and some of the Reggie Jackson, when I was a kid, like we took a player from somewhere else. This is the reverse. Like it, it, we haven't really been in this spot where it's like, oh, we can lose a guy. And I think that if you, and if he were for some reason to leave, you know, you could rationalize it in a dollars and cents things like, wow, this contract will age well, no players worth 500 million, all this stuff. I'm of the mind. I don't care how much it costs. I don't care how, how far it sets back the franchise. I, I want him to say, and I really, I'm really hopeful that he is. And you know what? The early, the, the late 1990s were awful for the Angels before they turned it around in 2002, win the World Series that season, win the AL West five out of the next seven years. Uh, Vladimir Guerrero, there was another guy we brought in who was uh, pretty good. So uh, I guess it would be fitting if we, uh, if we return the favor to Canada and uh, let Otani go to you guys. I don't want it, but I'll, I'll, I'll understand it. Well, I know one franchise he won't be representing especially since he does not like leaks, and that is the New York Jets. Nice. Because, ah. man, do they lead the league in leaks. Like, Diana Rossini must have a cubicle inside the building at this point. A lot of franchises have lost a franchise player or starting QB. Historically, a lot have done it this year. I don't know if I've seen a house of cards fall so quickly. I guess my question is, Who's running that franchise? Is it Aaron Rodgers? Is it Robert Sala? Is it Joe Douglas? Is it Woody Johnson? Is it the New York Post? Mike Francesa? Because you went from, you know, someone starting to being unemployed, asking people to start, apparently, your QB who's hurt is going on TV talking about how bad the building is right now. If you had to diagnose the problem with the New York football Jets, 
you would start where? It's got to start with upper management. I mean, this is a this is a problem that's been there for quite some time. I mean, the the Jets won Super Bowl three, and that's been it. And it just kind of, you know, it, it just permeates itself. And I know that they've gone through ownership changes and everything and regime changes and everything. But you have to get it right up top. And that is one of the things that, you know, it, it, it gets exposed by players like Aaron Rodgers. The Green Bay Packers have a pretty solid organization, like beyond solid. It, it is one of the best organizations in all of the NFL. And they're able to withstand not only Aaron Rodgers, but Brett Favre previously, and, you know, there's been a lot of, there's been a lot of things that have happened with Green Bay and it just kind of goes, you know, like, okay, okay. everybody just kind of strikes their shoulders, like, okay, whatever. And they still go on, they win games and everything goes out. And it kind of, you know, when you have that, that strong organization, you're able to, to keep on task with the jets. It's really easy to unspool this thing. It's like, you know, pulling up and you see a parent on that, you know, there's, there's certain parents at the, uh, the drop-off line that have like, you know what, one's dressed, ready to go, uh, sharp. Cars cleaned, everything's good. You know, it's a it's an operation where you're just dropping off your kid and going. And there's other ones who, like me, still in their pajamas, disheveled, and it's like real easy to frazzle them. And I think the Jets are in that real easy to frazzle category. And so we talked about, you know, the reporting with the Jets. I absolutely believe it because Aaron Rodgers basically confirmed it. You know, Robert Sala goes out there and gives his denial. Most organizations would have moved on and like, okay, we denied that never happened. And you'll have to speculate. Did this really happen? Aaron Rodgers pretty much confirms it on the Pat McAfee show and says like, yep, we got to have, we got to stop having these leads. Like, he pretty much just confirmed like you done. I think I, I don't know if he does this on purpose. He probably does, but this is one of the things. And so we can talk about Aaron Rodgers going there. And if they fire Robert Saul at the end of the season, ultimately it comes down to the organization. And there needs to be somebody at, up top who is accountable, who will take charge of all these things. And so until that happens, this franchise is going to continue to flounder. So for me, um, I absolutely believe it. I think that, you know, every once in a while you get a staffer who is just like, you know, they'll tell a reporter anything. And Diana does a great job with her reporting and building relationships. And, you know, there's somebody disgruntled, not necessarily disgruntled, but there's somebody in that organization telling her everything and she's got no filter or no reason not to say anything. So, uh, it's a, it's a bad scene. And I don't think that it, it's, it's not going to be one that's going to be cleared up anytime soon. Adam rank from NFL network and the sick podcast with Adam rank joining Matt Marchese and Donovan Bennett here on the fan Checkdown. So which side of this, uh, saga are you on here in terms of Zach Wilson and the jets? Because the jets, want him to start and they're saying, well, we're giving you an opportunity back because you weren't very good. Um, but clearly uh, the other options aren't very good either. Or the Zach Wilson side that says, no, 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 I'm not going out there and standing behind that horrible offensive line and getting the, the crap kicked out of me and then potentially getting hurt because I know I'm not going to be here next year and you're going to try and get rid of me. And, and I know all that stuff. So why would I sacrifice myself for you? And this team is also not making the playoffs even if I do play well, like which side of the argument do you fall on here? No, oh, I'm pro labor. Like I'm, I'm all aboard Zach Wilson, who bro is getting up there in legendary status. I mean, think about the, what, what was his previous scandal? What was his, uh, his alleged relationships with some of his mother's friends? Yep. Now he's, now he's the dude that you work with who 
wants to say the things that you can't say to management, but he just says it. Like he is literally that guy who's like, Hey, you know what? We'd love for you to come into it. He's like Peter from office space at this point. You know, that's, that's basically what's happening is that uh, I don't know if he's got some Superman three scheme where he's actually stealing. Actually, I guess he is stealing money from the jets because he's getting paid not to really work. So he's, you know, I, I feel like he's in the, he's in there. I, I don't blame him at all. Like I, I wish I had that kind of leverage to go out there. Like, I think we all would have that. I wish we had that kind of free, like leverage with our employers and uh, not you Rogers or you guys are an amazing company. <laughs> Nobody would ever do this, but for other people, for other people who are walking around here, uh, we would love to be able to do that. And we would love to be able to tell somebody like, no, nah, I'm not doing that. Like, I, first of all, I'm not playing behind that offensive line. Second of all, I'm not going out on that turf. I mean, I really wish the players were more upset with the turf than anything else and try to get that changed. And so I don't blame him. You know, Zach Wilson is going to hang around in the NFL for quite some time. I mean, look at like Matt Barkley is still a backup, if I'm not mistaken. Like Matt, Matt Barkley is still bouncing around. I remember one time having a conversation with Matt Leinert, who former Heisman Trophy winner, you know, first round pick, who is going to hang on as long as possible because being a backup quarterback, especially if you're a backup to a really good quarterback who rarely gets injured, uh, it is a really good gig. And so, you know, at some point, you know, what I think Zach Wilson is hoping is that, you know, we'll be watching a Chiefs game five years down the road and you'll see Zach Wilson on the sideline. Oh, my God, I forgot he was their court. He was their backup quarterback. He's still there. You know, we'll see him in a couple of preseason games. He'll make excellent money. Um, you know, he's he's going to have a great job. And, you know, that's that's the thing. And so I don't I don't blame him for trying to protect himself. And with the way the they did, although. The, yeah, but I'm still, yeah. The, the way the, the Jets sold him out and tried to make him the scapegoat, I mean, he's clearly not a great quarterback, but, I mean, you went with Tim Boyle. Like, you know, there's some things you can't erase, and that's just like, we were talking, you are talking about, like, the thing with Shohei Otani. At least Shohei Otani is being wined and dined by the Blue Jays, a reputable organization. Like, okay, like, I can see it. Like, they're they're pretty good. Tim Boyle is not, like, no, no. You... You went with Tim Boyle. There were some things you could not get over. So uh, this weekend, everyone had a moral or philosophical argument as to who should be in the college football playoff. I think we need to check on Danny Cannell just to make sure he is okay, uh, which uh, had me thinking, this is great for college football because everyone's talking about it people are talking about strength of schedule and in formulas who, who didn't watch any games but if we had this exact same exercise for the national football league your four teams you are leading the committee at this point would be who make your case you know it's funny uh, i was thinking about this is that imagine i was trying to explain this to somebody um you know, trying to put this in NFL terms because somebody who doesn't watch college football is like, what is this like? Explain to me what happens. Like, well, let's say that, you know, the NFL season ended today and in the NFC, and we're talking to the top four teams in the NFC, if, you know, they somebody decided to replace the Lions with the Packers. Like, yeah, I know Lions, you've won more games than the Packers, but now we're going to replace it because the Packers have a better history and we think Jordan loves better than Jared Goff. You'd be like, that's insanity. Why don't why don't the games matter? And so that is the most difficult thing uh, for a lot of people. But when, when you're looking at the top four teams in the NFL, it's interesting because when we came into this season, we thought that all the power was going to be in the AFC. 
the AFC had all the best teams and the NFC had two teams that were good. And then a bunch of mid carters, you know, the guys that edge would have beaten on the opening match of SmackDown back in the day. Oh, he's an AEW. Now we should, we should promote Tony Khan's organization, but you look at it now. And I think the strongest teams, the three strongest teams to me are in the NFC. We've got the 49ers, obviously the way they absolutely bodied, they bodied the, uh, the, the Eagles in a way of like, I, I think it was Ryan Clark who used the clubber Lang, uh, thing i was thinking i was thinking ultimate warrior i told ivanka the other day it was like the ultimate warrior versus uh it was the ultimate warrior versus the honky tonk man in survivor series <laughs> and then ivanka corrects me and i'm like what is happening she was right i mean a producer told her but still ivanka corrected me with SummerSlam, the original SummerSlam. so you have the 49ers there i still think the eagles are one of the best teams in the league as well don't get over don't get overwhelmed by the 49ers coming in there on a revenge game and really having their best game of the season that, you know, there it is. And so I, I and I, I'm also going to put the Cowboys in this list. I don't know why I think you should, maybe they're, they're not quite our Alabama, but you know what? They're, they're a pretty good team. And I'm looking at, I'm like, well, there's gotta be some team in the AFC that I would take. And, uh, last week I mentioned the, the, uh, the dolphins, and Matt eviscerated me. <laughs> Matt Matt treated me like the Eagles tr- or the Eagles were treated by the 49ers. <laughs> I I had the audacity to say and he's like, "No, you're you don't know anything. I'm surprised I'm invited back <laughs> after." So I'm I'm very hesitant. I still really like I still really like the Dolphins. I still think the Dolphins are but they are beatable. And I think that we'll see that at some point, but um I don't know. Maybe I would put in the Ravens. Although the Ravens always concern me. Now, I know they always fade down the stretch, and a lot of people are like, well, Lamar Jackson gets hurt. I'm like, yeah, but, like, they still, I don't know. There's still something, there's still something untrustworthy uh, about the Ravens that really get me. But I still, I'm going to put the Dolphins. I'm going to go back. I'm going to double down. And then Matt, Matt's going to be able to gloat about this because this is what will happen is that the Dolphins will match up against a team that runs the ball well. And they will end up getting eliminated in the playoffs because they'll only get like five possessions and they'll get frustrated and they'll lose because that's the way these teams always, that's the way these things always work. But I'm going to put the Dolphins in because they're the number one seed in the AFC and I've got to respect it. Well, I'm talking about the AFC there. Now the Jags don't have Trevor Lawrence and, you know, you penciled, let's face it, we all penciled, or at least most of us did. I, I, I would assume you did as well. We penciled in a Jags win at home versus Jake Browning on Monday night. And now with no Trevor Lawrence, that conversation has changed. Are you confident that if Trevor Lawrence misses, I don't want to say significant time, there's five games left, but if he misses three games, are you confident that the Jags are going to win the AFC South? Because that lost the other night they're only one game ahead of the Houston Texans and the Indianapolis Colts. And I can't believe that I said that as well. Are you confident that they can still win the division with CJ Beathard as their quarterback for, let's say the next two or three games as Trevor Lawrence rests that ankle a little bit. Cause they say high ankle sprain. Oh, he won't be out that long. I don't know about you, but I've seen a lot of high ankle sprains that result in a guy missing four to six weeks. Yeah, I was like, that's the worst kind of ankle sprain is the high ankle sprain. I know that they people are like, well, they dodged a bullet because, you know, it wasn't a knee injury. It wasn't the Achilles. I think everybody's so tore up about the Achilles 
that they were just like, all right, it's not like, but you're like, yeah, high ankle sprain still sucks. Like we saw what happened to Saquon Barkley and some of these other guys. So I'm really concerned. You know, I'd put the, I'd put the Jags in ink is winning the AFC South, but I think this is going to really show their vulnerability coming up. And, and, and honestly losing Christian Kirk is a huge deal for them as well. I thought that Christian Kirk was kind of an underrated player. There was a guy last season who signed that huge contract with the Jags where I was like, what are you guys doing? That's a lot of money for Christian Kirk. But then he was like, oh, no, actually, it turns out he's pretty good. And, you know, money's relative. It doesn't really matter. And we shouldn't get, you know, caught up in our feelings about things like that. But I think that both of those losses are going to hurt them. And now you're looking at the Texans, although watch, the Texans are going to go and lose to the Jets. I can, I just, you know what? We'll talk about this next week. If, uh, if I'm, if I'm wrong, I'll, I'll never acknowledge that I said this, but when the jets <laughs> upset the Texans this week, Oh, I'll be crowing about it. That'll be the lead. That'll be the lead. And, uh, so I, I, I guess the Texans are there. The, the Colts were a team that I thought could be in the chase for the number one overall pick. Me and that too. was clearly, clearly incorrect. Like they've done a really nice job. The Colts fans come after me. Like, do you care to explain your pick? I'm like, I thought they weren't going to be that good. I don't know how else to explain it. Like, yeah, they're, they're exceeding my expectations. So I think that both of those teams have really like, yeah, they've got a legitimate shot. And you look at what the Jags were able to do last season. They went out there and went on what a six game winning streak to end the year and propelled them into the playoffs. And I think that either one of those teams could continue to win. Like it's, it's amazing to watch the Colts. Like I didn't think that it was going to be, I thought that whole division was going to be, I thought that Jags would win with a nine and seven record because I thought that Houston would have a little bit of trouble with a rookie quarterback. I thought the Colts were going to struggle with a rookie quarterback and I knew the Titans were going to be bad. Titans are still bad, but I think those other two teams have a legit chance. One of the best John Oliver uh, last week tonight segments is about standardized tests. I, who's trying to get a NCAA scholarship, like many people, still have nightmares about preparing for the SAT. I bring this up uh, not because I need counseling, because when I look back at the evaluation of QBs this year, so much of the talk was about the S2 cognition test. Bryce Young had a 98. CJ Stroud had an 18. Is that enough information to set that test on fire? When yeah. you look at the evaluation of quarterbacks specifically, do you think we need to change the way we view them and change the tools we use like tests like the S2? Yeah, you know what? I, I feel like teams are now going out of their way to find reasons not to like certain players or to kind of, you know, you know, kind of validate what they're thinking. I think that, you know, once you went back and you studied both quarterbacks last year, you know, it felt like Bryce Young was the automatic pick. And then these test scores get leaked because you want to show like, no, 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 we're doing the right thing. We're, we're taking the right guy for anybody who has second thoughts. I don't like any of this stuff. Like I, I feel like we go and we overanalyze things without really putting a, a proper, you know, a proper evaluation into it. And, and it's not only these standardized testing, it's how much weight we put in stuff like the scouting combine and pro days and things like that. Like there is no reason there is absolutely no reason that Justin Fields should not have been the number two overall pick for the New York Jets back in the day, back in 2021. I mean, thank goodness, you know, with, with everything that's going on with that organization. But there is no reason 
to go with Zach Wilson. And it definitely not going with Trey Lance, the 49ers. It's inexcusable. And even if they would have gone with Mac Jones, I think they, they would be like Mac Jones could be Brock Purdy. I really, I sincerely believe that if he had been drafted by the 49ers and at some point you got to start looking at these quarterbacks and what they do on the field because, and even going back to Mitch Trubisky, uh, Patrick Mahomes was obviously a better prospect, not knowing the off the field stuff. Deshaun Watson would have been a better prospect than Mitch Trubisky too. And it's just something that permeates throughout the league. Heck I'll go back to Cooper cup. Like this is the prime example. Like Cooper cup plays at Eastern Washington and you're like, okay, like he's putting up numbers at Eastern Washington goes to the senior bowl plays against potential NFL players and dominates. That should have been your thing of like, this should be a guy that we draft. And then he goes to the underwear Olympics and is 40 <laughs> times, a couple of seconds off. Like, Nope, can't play football now. Like it's just insanity to me. So I really, so when it comes to standardized testing and these combine results, I wish you would go back and ask yourself, can this guy play football? Yes or no. Well, and the one, the one that everybody gets so enamored with is the 40 time. And the 40 time is great when you catch a ball and have to run really fast ahead of somebody down the field. Look at DK yeah. Metcalf the other night uh, against the Cowboys where he took the ball and I've never seen him run so fast in my life. Same thing with Tyree kill. It's people that get caught up in that, especially for, it's less so for wide receivers, but for running backs. And it's like, well, this guy ran a, a four, four, five. So he can't be a good enough running back or a four, six. Well, yeah. you know what? Kareem hunt came into the NFL and ran a four, six. He looked pretty darn good with the Kansas city chiefs. It's Kyron Williams did not test well at the combine either, which is why he got taken so late by the Rams. He was, you know, he's a very good pass catcher, very good player at Notre Dame, but people see the combine numbers and go, mm, yeah, not good enough. Well, now he's been one of the best running backs when healthy all season. I think we just get caught up in these numbers and say like, oh, because you test so well as an athlete means that you can play football. Well, there are a lot of other things like maybe catching the ball, maybe actually playing the game. And I think that teams are honestly... Adam, I don't think that teams are going to learn because they just get so caught up in this nonsense that they miss out on really good football players in the process, like a Kyron Williams, like a Cooper Cup. Like, go down the list. There's plenty of guys that didn't test well that have had good NFL careers, some great NFL careers. I just don't know that these teams are going to learn because they're all stubborn and think that their way is the best way. Oh, they'll never learn. Yeah, that's the one thing. And, you know, and even then, watching guys in college and things like that, you can still... You can still get it wrong, but I would I would rather be erring on the side of like this guy was a great player as opposed to a a combine warrior who went out there and performed pretty well. So but again, they'll never change and this is what they do. And you know, there's nothing you can do to change them. And that's just the way the NFL goes. Just like they'll never change the turf at MetLife Stadium. Uh it's just some things you just gotta you gotta embrace. And uh, just understand that's just the way it is. It, it, the equivalent would be, all right, we're going to interview you for the CEO role, um, but we just need you to get on Mavis Beacon Typing Tutor. We need to figure out what your words per minute are uh, and not if you could actually do the job. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know if they still have those typing tutors for kids now because they live online and on screens. Uh, last question for you, and it's going to be the simplest one. Who is the MVP? Ooh. I'm going to go with Tyreek Hill. Ooh. I think that, you know what, that team would be, I don't know, maybe not in the playoffs. Tyreek Hill has been the most dynamic player 
in the NFL this season. And I know you can look at the quarterbacks. You know, I like when you I look at like Brock Purdy, like what he's been able to like so much of Brock Purdy's success is tied in to Debo Samuel. And so I think that we love these quarterbacks and I think that it's great, but like, look at Patrick Mahomes, like what it's meant to him. Now it's been a year later than I thought it was going to be. They got away with it last season, but Tyreek Hill on the chiefs would make the difference between that team right now. So for me, I'm just going to go with Tyreek Hill. I I'm very intrigued to see how this one goes because in a year where everything's kind of been, and it's just, it's kind of, the epitome of the league right now. Everything's kind of all over the place. And if there was ever a year that a non-quarterback was going to win it, it feels like this year would be the year. Tyree Kill, Christian McCaffrey's also in that conversation. Like those are the those are the two guys there. Justin Jefferson and Cooper Cup are on the line. They they actually want to recount if if a receiver can actually win it because yeah, that's, that's like, a no, good that, point. That's fair. That's a good that's point. Definitely fair. But, but I also think fair. that part of that is because this year no quarterback has really had the same consistency. Jalen Hurts has had his struggles. Brock Purdy's had his struggles when he's been concussed. Uh, Dak Prescott's had his struggles. Patrick Mahomes hasn't been the same player. Joe Burrow's not around. Josh Allen's team stinks. Like, there's a lot that goes into that. And and in the years that those guys had great years, there were quarterbacks that had great years as well. Patrick Mahomes is at the peak of his powers when those two guys had had great years. Aaron Rodgers was great as well. So it's going to be a really, really interesting one. But uh, I know you got to go. Thanks so much for uh, taking time as always, sir. And uh, I will remember the prediction about the Jets yeah, over buddy. the Texans. And if it doesn't happen, we never had this conversation. How about that? Never by the way, give me the Giants, too. Anyways, I'll talk to you guys next week. <laughs> All right, and, uh, sounds we'll good. There he goes. Adam Rank from the NFL Network and the Sick Podcast with Adam Rank. Hey, uh, Donovan. Yes. You want to do the MVP conversation after the break? I do. All right, let's do it. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, MVP conversation. And uh, we've got a couple of other things to take care of. Eric Bieniemy, option for the Chicago Bears, maybe. And the NFC playoff race breakdown. All that and more. When we come back on the Fan Checkdown on the Sportsnet Radio Network. The best Blue Jays show out there, period. Blair and Barker. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the fan check down on the Sportsnet radio network. We were just reading something about Taylor Swift and how she's worth $1.1 billion based on only her songs and performances to which I responded to Donovan saying they're definitely, they're definitely signing a prenup. Travis will be fine. He's got plenty of money. Doesn't need hers, but they're together for love though. Yeah, sure. They are. The legal document doesn't. Yeah, matter. they're they're together for love, and so, I'm not addicted to fast food. It's all the same. It's all the same. Anyway, so um, we talked about the MVP race before, and I have a feeling that you are going in a different direction here. Okay. I don't know why. I just had that. I have a feeling that you and I are not on the same page, and which is good for sports radio. But usually we are. So I'm kind of interested to see where your head lies with the MVP race right now. Well, it's not where ranks is. 
with Tyreek. But you find that intriguing, as do I. I do, because it's somewhat antithetical and because you're going to have a body of work. I mean, he's on pace to just barely get past, past Calvin Johnson in terms of the best single season uh, numbers in terms of yards. So when you break a record, people take notice. But as I mentioned before the break, we live in a time, it was just a couple years ago, where Cooper Cup won the triple crown. And mm. he didn't sniff MVP consideration because the MVP has become the best quarterback award. That is what has been in the modern era and the offensive player of the year has been the MVP for everybody else on offense. That's essentially what it is. If you play defense, you have no shot. That's defensive player of the year. If you are not taking snaps under center, you have no shot. That's what the offensive player of the year is. Do you want to know the last time a non-QB won MVP? Did Adrian Peterson win one? He did, right? He did. That would have been the last one. Though. That would have been the last time. 2012. The player we're speaking of <laughs> is no longer playing professional football. Mm -hmm. It's only gone to a non-QB four times since 2000. We have employees at this station who were not born before 2000. The four running backs that have won it since 2000, LaDainian Thompson, Sean Alexander, Marshall Falk. So unless you are by far and away the number one overall pick in fantasy as a running back, Mm -hmm. You don't win MVP. You know a position I did not mention? Wide receiver. Because receivers don't win this award, which is why, although I think Tyreek Hill, one, might actually be the most valuable player, and two, has an incredibly compelling argument, the body of work lets me further know he likely will not win it, assuming he keeps the same pace. But I have not answered who I think will win it. I have just been filibustering. Which I like. It was because good. I don't really have a great answer. All of the, as you mentioned, front runners have eliminated themselves. Josh Allen has the numbers, also has the interceptions. Might miss the playoffs. Lamar Jackson has been up, but he has plateaued since. You're not giving it to Tua over Tyree Kill because we believe the Dolphins are great because of Tyree Kill, not because of Tua. Is Brock Purdy going to go from Mr. Irrelevant to MVP in a year where their three losses are because he was either hurt or playing poorly because the people that really make that offense good were hurt? And so we look at Patrick Mahomes, who's literally having the worst statistical career season in his career, not due to him, but the numbers are the numbers. That leaves me with only one candidate, someone who is going to be talked about, is going to be on first take, is going to be in high-profile games, and has an outside shot, and this week will go a long way, of getting a number one overall seed. And historically, it's gone to number one, number two overall seeds to quarterbacks, Dakota I was Prescott. waiting for that. I was waiting for that. Four straight home games he's put up over 40 points. Six straight games with multiple TDs. It's the third highest in Cowboys history. Second in the league in completion percentage. And when you start the numbers at week six, which is by design, because that's when they got their heads beat in by the San Francisco 49ers, he's second in second or first in the league in essentially every category with an 80 total QBR, which happens to be first in the league. I think if the Cowboys 
end up with a one seed, forget about in the division, because I think that might be the Niners, but in or in the conference, that might be the Niners. In the division, I think it ends up going to Dak Prescott. So it, I, I don't. I don't hate it because the I, logic I just gave you is the logic I learned on how you do an SAT test when you don't really know the answer, but it's a time test. You just cross out the things you know it's not the answer for, oh, I did and that. that leaves you with what might be the answer. Yeah, I did the SAT. It was the worst. It was the absolute worst. Anyway, do you remember what your score was? Fourteen something. That is getting you into an Ivy League. So no, 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 that was no, very no. good. No, 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 no. This was when they changed it. It was. Uh, it wasn't out of sixteen hundred. It was out of eighteen hundred or something. I was definitely not Ivy League school Good. material. Um, Harvard Matt over here. Yeah. I, <laughs> no, not this Matt. Uh, more like a doormat. <laughs> so, I like the I like the Dak Prescott thinking, and here's why. I think that a lot of people are getting caught up in, well, Dak is being put in good positions. These are a lot of Dak haters. He's being put in good positions because the defense has been so good. The defense hasn't been good against elite offensive teams. True. They have not been, which I think is is why it's even more impressive what he's done because they changed play callers. At the beginning of the season, they didn't know what their offense was, and they have not been able to run the ball nearly as well as they did last year. So for me, Dak Prescott is absolutely in that conversation. Do I have Dak Prescott as my number one? I do not. I have Brock Purdy. Wow. And the reason, so I don't know if this is like a sentimental thing, but I'm I'm getting a lot of Kurt Warner vibes here with Brock Purdy. And I'm not, and I said this yesterday and I'll say, or Monday, and I'll say it again. I'm not saying that Brock Purdy is a hall of famer, but what I'm saying is, is the storylines. There's a lot of, there's a lot of branches that end up ending in the same place here. Kurt Warner guy that nobody thought, twice about ends up coming in with an offensive minded head coach that can use his skill set. also has a running back Marshall Falk to Christian McCaffrey, same type of player used the same way Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk to Torrey Holt and Isaac Bruce. Okay. There are a lot of some and good defenses. Okay. But Brock Purdy still has to make the throws. Brock Purdy still has to play the game. He's smart. He knows what he's doing. Yes. Kyle Shanahan deserves a lot of credit for it, but did Jimmy Garoppolo put up these numbers? Jimmy Garoppolo is a second-round pick. He wasn't putting up these numbers with the same guys, essentially, outside of Christian McCaffrey, but he had Christian McCaffrey for a bit. Nick Mullins, C.J. Beathard, Trey Lance, none of them. None of them. But Brock Purdy is putting up those numbers. And the other guy that I have in that conversation, and I still stand by it because I think what he's done with this group, the detriment is where he plays, the organization he plays for, I think C.J. Stroud should absolutely be in this conversation. I know he's a rookie, but that's that to me is even more impressive what he's done as a rookie on a team that there were zero expectations for. Everybody said, oh, the Arizona Cardinals are going to have two high picks because one of them is the Houston Texans. Well, hold on a second. That's not the case here. So that's where I look at those two guys. I mean, Christian McCaffrey is also in that conversation, but it's less likely that he's going to win it. But C.J. Stroud for me is... You know, he's in the top three for me because from a consistency standpoint, he has been as consistent as any other quarterback, maybe more consistent than any other quarterback. Jalen Hurts has had his struggles. Um, Dak Prescott had his struggles at the beginning of the year and has really turned things around. 
Brock Purdy had three games where he didn't play well, two of which he was concussed in. And Patrick Mahomes is not even in the conversation for me because he hasn't been nearly as good. Um, and his numbers would state that. I think it's wide open. And the fact that we have come up with five or six different answers tells you how interesting this is going to be down the stretch. I think it's I think it's one of those years that it's a week-to-week thing, and it's kind of last man standing by the time the season's done. I love the Brock Purdy-Kurt Warner comparison. I even take it farther. And when you look at the credit that is billed back to Kyle Shanahan, early in Kurt Warner, it was the same thing with Mike Martz. He's this offensive genius, his greatest show on turf, and look what he's doing without Trent Green and not necessarily look what Kurt Warner is doing with the opportunity. The other person, uh, the party has been mentioned in comparison to, obviously, would be Tom Brady. Uh, he's going to have to play good football for two more decades to get there, but in terms of someone who wasn't expected to compete at a high level right away, gets an opportunity versus uh, due to injury versus tough competition and never gives it up. Stroud is 100% should be in the conversation. I think he is going to pay a tax because he is a rookie. and because Which, voters, is, rid- which is ridiculous because that's even more impressive. I agree. I just think voters will say he's a rookie. We're going to give you rookie of the year. You're going to pay your dues, and then we'll have this conversation next year. But, I mean, I think the key for this conversation is value. Who, if you were buying stock of a franchise, who has improved the stock of their franchise more than C.J. Stroud when he walked in the building? What did we think about the Texans coming into this year? We actually thought, you know what? I'm not sure about Bryce Young versus Stroud, but we actually think Bryce Young is in a great spot. He's got you know, an offensive-minded head coach. He's got uh, McCown as a QB coach. Pretty good defense. We think Stroud is in a terrible spot. Rookie head coach, franchise that's been a dumpster fire, no real skill players of note, and he's made it a good spot in a good scenario. We'll see if he continues to do it with an injured tight end and an injured receiver, but the numbers speak for themselves. All of the intangibles we hear coming out of Houston in terms of having guys over at the house, watching film with them, preparing meals for them, texting guys plays in the middle of the night. He has been that leader, hasn't really said a thing wrong when he's been at the press conference. So I I think Stroud is a great one that should be in the conversation. I just, I I think there's going to be some bias against the fact that he is a rookie. Which I think is crazy. I'm going to throw a a name out here and, it's kind of like the only way that he can win it because he has MVP type numbers, but his team is not in the playoffs, but could get in the playoffs is Josh Allen. If he plays at the level that we've seen over the last two weeks since they made the change or previous two weeks to the bye, if they can get, if they run the table here because they will have beaten the chiefs, the Cowboys, the chargers, the, uh, the Patriots and the Dolphins. Can that change the opinion because of how the year has been in terms of how chaotic it's been at the top of this MVP race? Cause it does change every week. Like we, remember we had the conversation mid season. Lamar Jackson was the MVP. Of course. Yeah. And we're not having that car. He's not, we, we did not even mention him. So do you think, and it may not even be Josh Allen. Maybe it's somebody else. That is kind of out on the outside no, looking in. I think it's Josh Allen. 
I think you're bang on with Josh Allen because the scenario that you have described, if the Bills make a run, run the table, get into the postseason, Josh Allen is going to have to play yeah. at an MVP level for that to happen. So essentially, it's a zero-sum game. If one happens, the other is viable. And the numbers in terms of interceptions are going to be used against him until he gets put back in that conversation. And then Josh Allen defenders will say, well, I mean, let's put the interception numbers aside. He is among the leaders in touchdown to interception ratio. The only issue with interceptions is it doesn't allow you to score, but he's scoring at such a high clip that ultimately at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if he throws three interceptions or he gets a three and out. Like it, it essentially is the same thing because he is scoring so much when he does uh, not throw the ball to the other team. So I think there is a pathway to make a compelling Josh Allen argument. If the bills are in the conversation for the playoffs at the end of the year. Uh, we don't have enough time to do our NFC playoff update. Um, because Guess what? Standings are not changing between now and tomorrow. They are not. Um, speaking of tomorrow, I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, James Brown from CBS and their NFL broadcast will be joining us uh, basically off the top of the show. Uh, so make sure you tune in for that because uh, JB's awesome. Uh, so we'll, we got a lot to talk about. Actually, we'll probably talk about the NFC playoff chase with him anyway. But I did want to get to this because it was something that kind of bubbled to the surface Yesterday, um, Eric B is one of the guys that apparently the Chicago bears are considering, or at least targeting for their next head coaching position, because we all know Matt Eberflus is getting fired here. If Eric B goes to Chicago, a, do you think that is the right move? B, do you think they are more or less likely to keep Justin Fields? That's the exact thought I had. And that was the exact question. I was going to ask you, so great minds <laughs> think alike. I think it's more likely they keep Justin Fields. Me too. I think it's more likely that they keep him anyway because he's shown enough. I had, When you were off, I had Sean King on. And Sean King returned the question to me and says, has Justin Fields shown the ability to be elite? And my answer was flat out, yes, absolutely yes. He said, so that there, you know what you have. And with the right offensive guy, you can make this guy great. There's still other things that need to be done. Fix the offensive line. Maybe get him another weapon. But they can do that at the top of the draft. Or they can trade down and accumulate picks and really build this thing. When you were a high-level first-round pick, you have to prove that you can't play. You don't sure. have to prove that you can. Daniel Jones got a contract extension. Daniel Jones, at his best has not sniffed the ceiling that Justin Fields has shown us. Now, will yeah. he get there and maintain it? Who knows? But we also don't know if Daniel Jones will. And, and Daniel Jones has had issues staying on the field. So for those first-round picks, they, they are so coveted, so valuable as a QB. This is a deep QB draft. But even when you look at the hit rate and success rate on drafting QB, 50%? At best, yeah. when you're doing it high. So for you to take another lottery pick, you might as well exhaust the experience with the one you have. And then, listen, if you stink, you're going to have an opportunity to draft the QB next year. Exactly. And th the one thing is, with this draft class specifically at the quarterback position, it makes it more intriguing because there are, as elite as the talent is, 
or at least perceived to be, there aren't a lot of teams at the top of the draft that are going to draft a quarterback. Like the New England Patriots are drafting a quarterback. That is a, as you can lock that in, unless Bill Belichick wants to trade down 15 picks and draft the guy, you know, that was ranked 107th with the 15th overall pick, which he's been known to do. But I don't think that's happening now. Then you look at, well, the Arizona Cardinals, they're probably not trading Kyler Murray at this point. The New York Giants, they should be drafting a quarterback. I think they will draft a quarterback. But then after that, how many teams, like, is Washington going to take a quarterback? I'm not convinced of that. I think they ride out another year of Sam Howell to see what happens. Because, like, to your point, if they're bad again, well, guess what? They're going to be able to draft a quarterback. And whoever you took with the fourth or fifth overall pick is going to be able to help you. Are the New York Jets taking a quarterback? No, because Aaron Rodgers is probably coming back. So there are teams that are going to draft later that are going to take quarterbacks, and they may trade up to get them, which means that the Chicago Bears drafting second or third with the picks that they have, they could they could do some real damage. And when you have the guy in the building and Justin Fields, you know what you're getting. Ultimately, that's going to be whoever the coach comes in. He's going to probably make that decision. This is the guy that I'm going to keep. Yeah. It's really interesting. I think the NFL draft this year, especially because we all love offense, I think I think people are going to be very excited about this draft class and how many offensive weapons get drafted in the first round. It's going to be a lot of fun. We'll talk about that more uh, when we get closer. Uh, just a reminder, as we said earlier, James Brown, CBS NFL football. He's the host. He will join us tomorrow right here on the Fan Checkdown. Thanks to Lance behind the glass, Donovan across the table. We've also got that Thursday night preview. The total is 30. It's the lowest ever for some sports books. And we have to watch it. It's like the under. Yeah, it's like watching a, a car accident. Can't take your eyes off of it. Thanks, everybody, for joining the show today. Greatly appreciate you listening. Download the podcast, rate, review, all that good stuff. And we will chat to you, with you tomorrow. Goodbye. Goodbye.